Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. John Dahl will drop by in 30 minutes. He's the executive producer of The Class That Saved Coach K. Younger people have no idea that Mike Krzyzewski needed saving back in the 1980s as Duke's head basketball coach. It's part of the ACC Network launch. That begins actually at 7 p.m. It'll be broadcast on ESPN, by the way, for those who don't have access to the ACC network as those negotiations continue with some carriers. The class that saved Coach K will start at 9, so we'll have John Dahl on in 30 minutes to discuss that documentary. Joining us now, a guy with an amazing resume of a different sort. I can't. He started more than 40 games as a defensive lineman for the Miami Hurricanes. That is really, really, really hard to do and rare, even for the best college football players. He spent a decade playing in the NFL. Nowadays, he's a member of the media covering the Panthers and others. He's also an assistant AD at Florida International University. He earned a degree in sociology back in the day, man. I'm fascinated already. Damian Lewis, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm doing great, David. How you doing today? I'm doing really well. This is kind of a weird non-football question for you out of the gate, Damien. But since you have a fascinating background, I'm curious. If you could share something you learned as a sociology major to your fellow Americans here in 2019, where for some reason I just feel like we need more sociology expertise, uh, what would you <laughs> share to your fellow football fans or fellow citizens? I think for me, what I love about sociology is just the interaction with different cultures and things like that. Being down in Miami, obviously, you have a lot of Latin American influence on campus. We got a lot of Middle Eastern influence. And it was just, you know, just learning the culture and learning about different people and the way they operate each and every day. And it's a skill set that you use throughout playing football. It's a skill set that you use throughout coaching and just being out, you know, every day and just interacting with people. So, it's just one of those things that uh, I've always been attracted to. I like talking to people. I'm a country boy, so I'm always, you know, somewhat nosy, but just want to know more and more about people, their culture, what they like, what they like to do, and things like that. So that was just something that just kind of drew me to it. And, you know, all the darnels and all that stuff, you know, when you get deep, deep in the sociology, that was cool too. But for me, it's just the everyday interaction with people. Given all the locker rooms that you have been in as a high school star, a UM star, a decade in the NFL, now even as a, an administrator at FIU, are you a believer that whether it's a football locker room or maybe other sports that, you know, that is one of the more colorblind, nobody cares about your religion, nobody cares if your city, your country. Is that old saying true that, uh, you know, some of the best of people come, can come out in the sports context when you're putting all the other stuff aside and just trying to win games together? Without a doubt. And I think the only other thing that really compares to it or sports compared to is the military. Because when you cross the line, man, nobody cares where you're from, yeah. what your background is, you know, who your parents are. That doesn't matter anymore. It's about what can you do to help us win this game? Or what can you do to help us get out of this situation alive? And that is probably one of the most intriguing and one of the most interesting things about sports because color, all those different things, you know, classism, all those things absolutely disappear when you strap that chain strap on. Damian Lewis joining us on the David Glenn Show. Panthers at Patriots, 7.30 tonight. It is preseason game three of four. Damian has been a part of the coverage of the Panthers and the NFL. Kind of a little side media gig for him as he does his work at FIU. As a former player, I wonder if you could think of any coach you've ever had in any sport who would agree with Rams head coach Sean McVay on this. He says he's not playing any of his key guys 
in any of these four preseason games at all. I mean, even Belichick and Ron Rivera are playing Tom Brady and Cam Newton for the first time tonight after those two guys skipped the first two. McVeigh seems to be pushing back against, I mean, decades worth of coaches telling us how important these reps are. He, he took the Rams to the Super Bowl last year. Is Sean McVeigh right about the smartest approach to preseason football in your eyes? I won't say it's right. I won't say it's wrong. I'm going to say it's the new wave of football. And I believe this trend is going to be more prevalent as we move forward and continue to have four preseason games. When you look at a coach, you have to look at the value and the snaps that he's getting. If it's not facing, you know, a marquee defense, you know, then why put yourself in a situation or put your, you know, stars in a situation where they can be injured or be hurt before the game. And unfortunately, that's starting to be the trend in the NFL where you don't want your guys out there versus, you know, a good defense or a bad defense for that instance if, you know, if the game doesn't count. You don't want to take chances on your quarterback or your star running back being injured in a football game. Defensively, it's a little bit more different than it is for those offensive quality positions like quarterback, running back, and top-notch receiver. You don't want those guys taking any chance of not being on the open day roster. It's an incredible accomplishment to spend four years and start that many games in major college football as you did at UM and to also be a 10-year NFL player. Given the wear, (laughs) well, well, I was going to say, given the wear and tear factor that Sean McVay is trying to protect against. I mean, I've seen—I don't think I've met you in person, but you're a big dude, man. And sometimes the wear and tear is even harder on big guys. As as an employee at FIU and as a broadcaster now, like, how do you feel after that many years and that many snaps? Surprisingly, I feel good. I mean, I've taken care of myself. I've always ate right, taken care of my body. Uh, try not to let my weight get too far out of hand. And, you know, when it does, I kind of get myself back in check and I stay active and working out. And even now, I sit out here and run around with the guys and run out in the practice field and stuff like that. And I think a lot of that has to do with DNA. You know, it just comes from a big, strong, healthy family. And uh, that, you know, definitely helped in it. But when I look back and think about it, the amount of reps taken, over that time period is just crazy. Like today, you don't have tour days in college. You don't have tour days in the pros. So you're missing, you know, an extra, what, 12, 13 practices yeah. in college and in the NFL that you got back in the day when we were playing. Because my whole career was tour days in both, you know, college and our NFL. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was a workload for sure. You know, I know when I finished playing in 2010, I definitely felt it, and it took a couple of years for me to get my body back. But now, you know, I feel pretty good to be 41. I feel like I can still run, skip, and jump, so I don't have a lot to complain about. We have a lot of Panthers fans here in our statewide audience, and, of course, you played there, and now you're helping to cover the Carolina Panthers. We've asked going into tonight's game up at New England, what's the most important thing Panthers fans need to see to feel good about the upcoming season? And virtually everybody includes in their answer some part of you know the Cam Newton equation since he's making his debut tonight. What do you make of Cam's bounce back from shoulder surgery based on whatever you've known or seen or heard from practice since we haven't seen him in these preseason games? And then what else would be on your list personally to watch tonight beyond Cam Newton, you know, the most obvious answer to the question? I think for Cam, my my questions were answered in training camp. I think he was very efficient, uh, very decisive in where he was going with the football, has a total understanding of the offense and what they're trying to accomplish there uh, with North Turner. 
So I have no worries about number one. And the only thing I want to see for those guys is just being efficient in whatever drives they're out on the field tonight. You know, I don't know if they're going to play for two drives or they're going to play playing through the first quarter. Whatever their plan is for him, I want to see him being efficient with the guys on the field, which I already know and expect that will be the case. Outside of that, I'm not concerned about the shoulder. I'm not concerned about his throwing motion. I'm not concerned about any of that. He's extremely act, you know, accurate, more so than I've ever seen. I think he did a great job and had an awesome training camp this year. Uh, more than that, I just want to see the defense play at a high level, You know, just being there at the preseason game um, against the Buffalo Bills. I think it kind of fell flat. You know, they did a great job in the two days of practice against Buffalo and absolutely, you know, just got after them, you know, beat them up on the defensive line, the offensive line, and the offense did a great job of moving the ball up and down the field all of their practice, but we didn't see that result in the game. So I'm pretty sure they got a sour taste in their mouth and they want to get out and play their best ball and, you know, play highly efficient football tonight. So that's the things I'm looking for. I'm looking for the defense to come out and start extremely fast. I'm looking for Cam to come out and move the ball down the field and be efficient in his decision-making and things like that. I don't even care if he scores a touchdown or not. I just want to see him be efficient in the way he's delivering the football tonight. Given your background at UM and also that decade in the NFL, you cross paths with a whole lot of amazing guys on your own team and on the opposition. One of those guys was maybe the greatest safety of all time in the Hall of Famer, Ed Reed. When you're asked about Ed Reed, what comes to mind that can help paint the picture of him as a player? And what would be something that maybe even those football fans who appreciate him as a player don't know about him as a person? I think Ed Reed's a country boy. He was very quiet, you know, getting to UM. And as he started, you know, to develop, he kind of came out of his shell. Early on, we couldn't play him that much because he liked to gamble and take shots on the field, which, you know, paid dividends when he got into the NFL. And uh, we had a lot of talented guys in our, in our secondary guys like Al Blades and Mike Rump and uh, so on and so forth. So, you know, he was around some really good guys. And believe it or not, Chuck McDonald, who uh, was the uh, head coach at the Indianapolis Coach, yeah. that was his uh, position coach. Oh, wow. So, I mean, he's had some great minds around him. And just watching him go from, you know, we're boys when we get to college and we all had our relationships together with uh you know, him and Reggie, and, you know, we all have all those text threads and stuff, and we keep in touch with one another to this day, you know, just to see him go from where we were in college and being the guy he was in college and to where he is now. He hasn't changed much as a person. He's always been a real earnest guy, and that's just the way he's been. He's the same dude now. You know, he's the type of guy that gives you a shit off his back. Really cool dude in person. We had no idea, you know, in college that his career is going to go the way that it did. You know, we had no idea about any of us. We're just you know, a bunch of kids and just wanted to play professional football if we ever got the opportunity to. And was loving our opportunity down at UM and, you know, bringing that program back, which was the most important time, most important thing at the time. So, you know, we accomplished our goal there. And I was thinking we all went on and played in the NFL and had great careers. And, you know, he had probably one of the best careers out of all of them. Him and Edwin James, I would say. Damian Lewis on life and sports and sociology and the Panthers and the Canes. Thank you very much for your time today, man. It was a really fun visit. We appreciate you. I appreciate you, David. Um, He's more than happy to do it again. Thank, call, Thank you so much. From Florida International University, from the Panthers broadcast team, and formerly of the Miami Hurricanes, the Carolina Panthers, the L.A. Rams, the Houston Texans, a decade in the NFL, and 40-plus starts as a member of the Miami Hurricanes. That's as a defensive lineman, man. Usually you're not ready to start at a place like UM on the defensive line 
all that early, especially given the competition, right? I mean, he was at UM back when they were in the Big East, back when they were still contending for and winning national championships. Damian Lewis, make sure we keep him on speed dial, Darren Vaught. I appreciate his participation and contribution to today's show. John Dahl later, the executive producer of the class that saved Coach K. That's part of the programming tonight as the ACC Network launches. We want more of your questions on the NFL, ACC Network, and Team USA headlines of the day. The Tour Championship. The PGA Tours season finale begins in Atlanta today. I have a question and observation about that one as well. It involves complaining about the format. Your questions and that story next on the David Glenn Show. Davo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, 80. <laughs> Eight zero. The original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Your NFL questions and answers including on the question of the day. The ACC Network is launching. John Dahl will be our third and final guest. He's the executive producer of the class that saved Coach K. Many didn't know he needed saving back in the 1980s, but that Johnny Dawkins, Jay Billis, Mark Allery recruiting class helped turn Duke around even during the K era after he stumbled out of the gate a little bit in the early 80s. ACC Network launches in just a handful of hours. John Dahl, executive producer of the class that saved Coach K, joins us live in about 10 minutes. 1-800-849-2761. Behind Kemba Walker and Team USA and the launch of the ACC Network and the scary news surrounding Mario Williams and Mark Pavlich that I mentioned earlier, and of course the NFL, Panthers at Patriots and otherwise, behind all that in the sports headlines as we speak, is the season finale of the PGA Tour. It, it begins today, first of four rounds in Atlanta. It's the Tour Championship. It's also the final event in what they call their postseason, the FedEx Cup Playoffs. It's pretty cool in terms of the money. The grand prize check nowadays, and Bill Haas, former Wake Star, will tell you how, how nice it is to win a, in a single day a $10 million check. That's what it was worth when he won it years ago. Now it's $15 million to the grand prize winner alone and many more million to the runners-up, etc. There's a new format this year, and it has some golf traditionalists complaining because as weird as this may sound, because Justin Thomas, after the previous FedEx Cup playoff events, has accumulated the most points as the Tour Championship, only the 30 golfers, who had enough points to earn their way into this event, are even there. There is no cut in the season-ending tour championship. 30 guys, someone's going to get the $15 million check out of that 30, and a whole lot of big runner-up checks are at stake as well. The format includes Justin Thomas, because he has the most FedEx Cup playoff points, teeing off today at 10 under par. Now, I've had dreams where I was teeing off on the first tee at 10 under par. <laughs> but you could be a golf fan for 100 years or 10 years or five days and not be able to process and probably you've never seen before in any format unless you and your buddies at the Muni get really creative. Nobody is teeing off at 10 under par. And, of course, it's not just Justin at 10 under, depending where you are in the point standings. 
you might, if you're the last guys, the last guys in the 30 who made the tour championship, you are teeing off the way we're used to for all of eternity. You're at even par. No bogeys yet, no birdies yet. You are teeing off the bottom guys at even par. Why are they doing this new format tweak? Long story short is last year when the format was different, Tiger Woods won the tour championship. He won that four-day golf tournament. But because that tournament's only one part of the FedEx Cup playoffs, Justin Rose had accumulated so many other points in other events. Tiger's standing there on the 18th, and he's winning the tour championship, and there's a celebration. But over on the side, Justin, Willi- Justin Rose, Justin Williams is a heck of a golfer too as he decides to de- makes a decision on whether he's going to continue as the team captain of the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> of the NHL. I've, seen, I've played with Justin Williams. He's a heck of a golfer. But I digress. Justin Rose had so many points heading into the tour championship that combined with a good performance in that event, he was the winner of the big check at the FedEx Cup playoff level. Well, a lot of golf people didn't like that. There's like these weird side-by-side celebrations. Why is Tiger the champion of the event, but Justin Rose is the champion of the playoffs? And isn't there a better way? And what about these competing stages? Do you know what my bottom line is on all of this? And frankly, I don't care hardly at all which of these formats the PGA Tour uses in the FedEx Cup playoff. One thing I don't want in life, in sports, in business, as a mediator back in the day, as the host of this sports radio show, you know what I can't take in life? And Darren Vaught, my producer of four years, I think you're, you're A, wired in a way to appreciate this. But tell me an honest answer to this question. Would you say it's fair that if you don't like my idea, I create an environment around here where you or even others, maybe not an intern on his first day, maybe not, <laughs> but you certainly and others as they earn their stripes, I, is it fair to say I've created an environment where you can say, DJ, I don't like that idea? Yeah, absolutely. It, it might not have been that way. You mentioned the interns at first. Even in this role for me at first, it might not have been that way, but it, it did not take long for that to become the case. Weeks, months, I hope you got comfortable quickly. Yeah, weeks, may, maybe maybe into the second month. I don't okay, know. good. That's good. If two months into a four-plus-year relationship, you already felt comfortable. I feel good about that. Now, by then, you also knew me fairly well. We knew each other before you became the producer a little bit, but... What I need to tell you, when you say, DG, you're such a polite guy, you would say, DG, I'm not sure that's the greatest (laughs) idea in the world. My Philly approach is sometimes, you know, a little more direct, maybe less polite. That's a horrible idea. We need to find something better. So you would take the nice guy approach, DG. I'm not sure that's the right thing. What would you almost guarantee that whereas I'm receptive to your correction, I am going to come back at you with what? Well, do you have a better idea? That is correct. Now, you probably since the womb, God bless Mr. and Mrs. Vaught, you have been wired that without me saying it, I think, I'll ask your friends at Elon and Emery and Henry. I mean, yeah, that's right. Emery and yeah, Henry. That's it. That's your it. alma mater. Your <laughs> alma mater is plural. I think without me asking, you're already saying, DJ, I don't like this idea so much of yours. But here's an idea for an alternative. I would like to think I'm wired in a way that I don't shoot something down without something to bring to the table. I try not for that to be the case. With that in mind, here's my request of golf fans. 
because I don't think you've ever done this to me. And frankly, most of the people I like have never done this to me. You cannot complain that because that you didn't like the format of the FedEx Cup playoffs a year ago because it had the competing celebrations, the side-by-side circus shows where Tiger wins the tour championship, but Justin Rose gets the big fat check as the FedEx Cup playoff winner. I see the downside to that. Don't get me wrong. It was weird. It was unorthodox. Wait a minute. It's a big win for Tiger. Justin didn't even win the tournament, but he gets the biggest check. What's going on here? It's confusing, and unless you know the details, it might have left you with a lot of questions. And what is after the majors and things like the Ryder Cup, it's one of the signature events of the whole PGA Tour. Confusion is bad. I understand why you didn't like it last year. What we can't have in this world is people who complained about last year's drawbacks, and now they're complaining Because Justin Thomas is teeing off at minus 10, and the traditional golf fan inside of them can't digest that at all. What would I request of the golf fan, Darren, who was offended by the competing celebrations a year ago under a different format, but now is also offended because just wait a minute, he's on the first tee, but he's already 10 under? How can that happen? These other guys are even par. And, of course, there's all sorts of shades of gray in between. This guy tees off at minus four. He hasn't hit a shot yet. How's he already minus four? This other guy's minus eight as the first of four rounds at the Tour Championship begins. You know what they're trying to avoid with this format? What happened last year under a different format? Under this format, since you're teeing off with a below par, in most cases, score based on your points you've accumulated, on the 18th green this Sunday, somebody will win and they will be the winner. There will be no competing sideshows. It is the winner because of this new format. Now, I, again, don't care if you like last year's format better or this year's format better, but what what is my request, Darren, of golf fans who didn't like last year's format for one set of reasons, and now they don't like this format for a different set of reasons? Well, do you have a better idea? That is correct. Like, I can't live in a world where you get to complain about both unless you have an alternative. If you have a better idea, God bless you, and I'll listen to your complaints about 2018 and your complaints about 2019. Am I asking too much? I know America in 2019 is a really, really weird place, but is that setting the bar too high? If you don't like last year and you don't like this year, it offends your traditionalist sensibilities. Either... Be quiet entirely with your complaints. I don't want a word out of anybody, or you don't like both, so give me the better alternative. That is the only way we can proceed in a sane world. I hope you're all with me on that. On the other side, John Dahl is the executive producer of the ACC Network documentary, The Class That Saved Coach K. Whitey needs saving in the 1980s, and who had big roles in that saving? John has worked on a lot of ESPN productions, including OJ, Made in America. That John Dahl, live, next on The David Glenn Show. Throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. 
Aquaman is dominating the talk to porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest is part of the launch of the ACC Network tonight. He's the executive producer of The Class That Saved Coach K, which will air at 9 p.m. The brand new channel launches at 7 p.m. They're actually going to put it on ESPN and other Disney outlets just so those who don't have a carrier with the ACC Network can celebrate as the confetti falls tonight. John Dahl is with us. He has worked on a lot of ESPN productions in the past, including OJ Made in America. He worked with former Coach K player Jay Billis, among many others, in putting together the documentary, The Class That Saved Coach K. John, as we welcome you to the David Glenn Show for movie aficionados, we want to make clear there is another John Dahl whose credits include that Rounders movie with Matt Damon and Edward Norton and John Malkovich as as the unforgettable Teddy KGB. You're, you're not responsible for all of these things, are you? I am not, no. And actually, I love the movie Rounders. It's one of my favorites, even though I don't play poker. Um, but, yeah, that, that John Dahl and I do get confused occasionally. I get his email or vice versa. He might get something intended for me. And I, I, I did actually want to reach out a couple of years ago, started inquiring about whether we might be able to get him to do a 30 for 30, because I thought that would be really cool to have directed by John Dahl, executive producer. <laughs> but he had other projects going on, so it just never quite worked out. Pay that man his money. <laughs> Ted, Teddy KGB. Uh, so when people meet you, do they ask that question? I mean, I don't know how famous producers and executive producers are. I'm impressed by OJ Made in America and the class that saved Coach K. Uh, how does that unfold for you in those uh, chance encounters? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, it does happen from time to time. Somebody thinks I'm the other John Dahl. And, and in fact, I was doing an interview the other day where they thought I oh, uh, no. was the other John Dahl initially or whatever. So I said, no, no, no. That's the guy who did the last seduction, Rounders, and some other great stuff. So. See that, Darren? That's the difference between the host who prepares and the host who did not prepare properly, uh, <laughs> as we did for John Dahl, the real guy, the executive producer for the class that saved Coach K. All right, I've been around long enough to know about the class that, coach, uh, that saved Coach K, but many only know of his five NCAA titles and his Olympic gold medals. Remind us, as we look forward to tonight's uh, premiere, why did Coach K need saving in the 1980s? Because he got off to a slow start there at Duke. When he was hired, it was controversial. It was kind of like Mike who? And, uh, you know, he was uh, at the time, I think he was 33 years old from Army, had had a losing season at Army, and now he's going to take over Duke, which, by the way, when he was hired, they had been in the NCAA championship game just two years before that with Bill Foster. So, uh, you know, it started from kind of a rough place for him, and as, as it progressed into year two and three uh more and more losing uh, was taking place there and yet within that was this class that he had recruited that came in starting in the fall of 1982 with uh, johnny dawkins and jay billis and david henderson and mark allery uh, a couple other guys as well and uh that class needed some time to get it all figured out but they were the ones that essentially were able to uh push away any notion that Duke should make a change and that they made a mistake when I heard Mike Krzyzewski. 
I know Jay Billis really well. He's a regular guest on his show, on this show, and he never fails to entertain or inform. Uh, he, of course, was going to be interviewed for your production, uh, but he also helped in other ways. How did that crazy guy impact the final product, the class that saved Coach K? Jay was terrific on this project from the start. So was Sandy Montag. Uh, Jay provided a lot of material, uh, particularly these letters that uh, Coach K had written him when he was recruiting him wow. uh, out of high school. And uh, it's just great stuff. You never hear this kind of stuff coming from Coach K. And so uh, Jay provided excellent input for, throughout. He, he was just a tremendous uh, partner to work with on this. And, and, you know, the thing is, I was at Carolina when Jay was at Duke. We were in the same class, actually. Huh. So I was hyper aware of this group. <laughs> and uh, I used to think his name was Jay Bylas when he was uh, first at Duke. I was like, I thought it was Jay Bylas. And I just started hearing Billis. So, um <laughs> I followed them closely. I was at every one of those Carolina Duke games in 83 and 4 uh, when, you know, Dean Smith pounded the table and all that. Right. So, uh, and when Duke finally beat Carolina in the ACC tournament, I was there. So I really knew the journey of this group and how they had turned it around and, and changed the narrative with Mike Krzyzewski so that he could, uh, you know, have enough time to turn, uh, turn Duke into a dynasty, which he certainly did. John Dahl is joining us on the David Glenn Show, filmmaker and executive producer of The Class That Saved Coach K. It will be on the ACC Network tonight. It will premiere at 9 p.m. Channel launches at 7. This launches at 9. And my understanding is you guys, of course, do your documentary thing with The Class That Saved Coach K, but there's all sorts of other footage, and you all are putting that on the air tonight as well, right, John? Yeah, exactly. There's a there's a half hour special called an evening uh, with Coach K. It was a dinner that was set up by our filmmaker Jonathan Hawk, who is just extraordinary. He is a brilliant director, working with Jim Potteret, his editor, and they got set up this uh, reunion that we did in late May uh, in in Durham with the class with with four members of the class, Allery and uh, Henderson and Dawkins and Billis, and then also four other guys that were on the 86 team, uh, Quinn Snyder, Tommy Amaker, Billy King, Danny Ferry. They were on that team that kind of completed the journey of the class of 86 where they got to the NCAA championship game against Louisville. They didn't win. It was a very close game, but that was a great team. Duke ended up going like, I think it was 37-3 and that year, including the loss to Louisville in the title game. So uh, just John Hodge, he has a real – eye for you know how to weave these reunions that we did there with the with the class with the archival story with the narrative and he did it on the, uh, the survive in advance 30 for 30 that we did several years ago john has done all kinds of, of wonderful films for us and, and he's really um, outdone himself again on this one we, of course, will not ask you to give away all of the great stories that will be in the class that saved Coach K. But as I share a quick one, uh, we will welcome another one from you. You know, Jay Billis has told us on our show that, you know, when he got the call from Lute Olson, he knew who Lute Olson was. When he got the call on the recruiting trail from Jim Beheim of Syracuse, he already knew who Jim Beheim was. And then this guy from Duke named Mike Krzyzewski, I mean, you had your funny moment realizing that Jay Bylas was Jay Billis. A whole lot of folks didn't know how to pronounce Krzyzewski. And as Jay tells the story in 1982, he didn't know who Mike Krzyzewski was 
as Kay was trying to recruit him for the Blue Devils. So I'm sure that theme is in there somewhere. What's another story you can share as we look forward to this piece tonight? I'll give you a couple. I, I actually knew Mike Krzyzewski before Jay did probably then because I went to his first basketball camp at Duke. I was in high school, and I had gone to Bill Foster's camp the year before. I had won the Tate Armstrong Lookalike Award because <laughs> I had these long blonde locks at the time. I missed those long blonde locks. <laughs> and I had a great outside shot. I was a little ahead of my time. I was cornerback. <laughs> and so then I go to the Coach Case camp, and this is like the summer before his first season. And, you know, we learned how to spell Krzyzewski, and he really wanted to place the emphasis on defense, and um, that just wasn't my thing. So I'm thinking, what does he know? You know, I mean, come on. I'm an offensive guy. I'm not, I'm not here to play defense. And I, that was my first and last person camp. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess, the, you know, what happened speaks for itself, right? You know, uh, my career didn't go anywhere. It certainly did. Um, the other thing I, I really – there's an anecdote in this film that I really like. I was – Really wanting uh, John Hawk to uh, track down, and Jim Potteress to track down uh, Bill Jackman. He was one of the members of the recruiting class. Yeah. So there was also Weldon Williams and Bill Jackman. And, you know, Jackman only stayed a year, and Weldon Williams was a role player. Some of the best anecdotes are with them. Hmm. And actually, one thing that came out of the making of this film was that Jay didn't know why Bill left after one year. Hmm. They had roomed together um, their freshman year. And Jay felt kind of betrayed, I think. You know, it was kind of like, well, 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 he's abandoning us. He's not sticking with it. Come on, we're going we're gonna to turn this around. Well, as it turned out, Bill, in his interview, um, John was able to get him. And as it turned out, Bill said that, um, you know, his father had passed away. And his mother had wanted him to come back home to Nebraska. And that's why he left. And there was never that closure where he understood what was going on there. And so... Through the making of this film, Jay came to understand why Bill really left, and uh, it, it did bring some closure there. I'm not sure if Coach K is quoted along these lines in your piece tonight, but I believe he has said on our show that he describes Johnny Dawkins from this famous class that saved Coach K as the most important player in the history of Duke basketball. In other words, maybe others have been even better but if K doesn't get Johnny as the best of that amazing class that included Allery and Henderson and Billis, who knows if he's around long enough to have five NCAA titles, you know, or something less than that. How far does he go into those details? I mean, imagine he has something nice to say about a whole bunch of guys. Oh, yeah. I think that's, that's fair to say that. It really is. Johnny was uh, an extraordinary player. He really was. He he was from the Rockville, Maryland area, which is where I grew up until I was nine years old. So I grew up in ACC country. You know, uh, I was a big Maryland basketball fan, Lefty Drizel, the whole program there. Yeah. Then I eventually moved to Charlotte when I was 12, so junior high school, college at UNC. And, I, you know, Johnny Dawkins was just a phenomenal player. You wouldn't think he was so skinny, you know, but he was yeah. extraordinarily athletic. And the film, I think, really captures his brilliance on the court, in particular – the game against Mississippi Valley State in the first round of the 1986 NCAA tournament when Duke came in like, you know, number one seed. And Mississippi Valley's got him on the ropes, and Johnny saves the day. So not only did he kind of set the tone for the program at large, and if he doesn't get Johnny Dawkins, what happens? How about what if Johnny doesn't, you know, do what he does in that game? Duke might have lost in the first round of the 86 right. NCAA tournament. So uh, I'm glad this film 
gives Johnny his due. Uh, when we were doing that reunion shoot, I was enjoying talking with Johnny's wife about uh, the Rockville, Maryland ties. That was fun. He's a, he's a great guy. Last thing for John Dahl, executive producer of the class that saved Coach K. Jay Billis is so much fun that it's almost like he has a light, a, a light switch where he can be serious, Jay, if you really, really, really ask him to be. But I think his default position is like goofy, funny Jay. D- do we get both goofy, funny Jay Billis? And I would hope we get at least a little serious Jay Billis because he's so insightful when you ask him to be, but it, it feels like he would just rather throw punchline after punchline at you. Yeah, we get both from Jay in Good. the film. Um, he, the, the one, one of the funniest moments in the film is he's, he's complaining, he's lamenting this film clicker that Coach K had, uh, you know, where he could play, you know, he'd play the play and then stop it and reverse it and then play it forward again. And there's this really funny anecdote where Jay's like, is he going to get the ball? Is he not going to get the ball? Is he going to be a good player? Is he not going to be a good player? And then the ball ends up going out of bounds. You see it in the film footage. There's a lot of film footage, like coaches' film footage, I've never seen before. Mm. So it's not just like game footage. And it's, it's actual coaches' film footage of these games. It's really – Really cool looking. Um, but Jay also, I got to tell you, I was there at that reunion shoot that night, and he was humble. Jay was really quite emotional by the end of the night. I think it really, just like Coach K was had a lump in his throat, I think, a bit during that, so did Jay. Um, I think it meant a lot to him. It was an emotional night to be together that way. So you really see all sides of Jay in this film. This is awesome. My wife is out of town on business. My son is back at college. My daughter has soccer practice. I mean, I have just carved out an entire evening to watch John Dahl's production, The Class That Saved Coach K, and I'm watching the aftermath of that with their dinner, et cetera. Congratulations on your career, of course, but also on this production. We look forward to the launch of the ACC Network at 7 and The Class That Saved Coach K at 9. We really appreciate your time on The David Glenn Show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You got it. That's John Dahl, the class that saved Coach K for the ACC Network subscribers. Remember, ESPN and other channels will share the launch of the channel at 7 p.m., but you have to get the ACC Network to get a lot of these upcoming football and men's basketball games, and you have to have the ACC Network to see the class that saved Coach K at 9 tonight. What would you think of my Teddy Teddy KGB? (laughs) He... He beat me straight up. Pay him. (laughs) Pay that man his money. Well, no. John It's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad, but uh, not not that John Dahl. Most of his lines, not that John Dahl. I know. I'm just goofing around. Most of (laughs) Teddy's lines you can't quote on the air. Sure. There's a lot of F-bombs in there. How did you lay that down, Mike? How did you lay that down? All right, maybe not. 1-800-849-2761. Final thoughts, TV picks, and a whole lot more on NFL preseason week three of four. Panthers at Patriots at 7.30 tonight. You know where I'll be switching at 9. 1-800-849-2761 is your last chance to join us on the David Glenn Show. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is the David Glenn Show. 
back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Final thoughts and TV picks has become a tradition here on our program. And, Darren, we have already mentioned some of the TV picks. A lot of Panthers talk today. It will be Panthers at the Patriots on what is called the Patriots TV, I mean the Panthers TV network. So that, I can't give you a channel because depending on where you live in North Carolina, it might be your ABC affiliate, it might be your NBC affiliate. So I can just tell you it's 7.30 and I can tell you it's on the usual channel that you get your preseason Carolina Panthers game. Cam Newton will play, Tom Brady will play. It will be the first appearances of the preseason for at least five, maybe even more, of those important Carolina Panthers players. We'll see how Cam does. That is everybody's 1A today. The 1B votes, what you're watching most, were a little bit all over the place. Also tonight, of course, among the TV picks, the class that saved Coach K. The channel launches at 7 p.m. It'll launch not only on the channel itself, the ACC Network, it will launch on ESPN and some of the other Disney properties just as they get that channel rolling for the first time again, 12 years after the Big Ten Network launched, seven years after the Pac-12 Network launched, five years to the month after the very successful SEC Network launched. The ACC is finally, finally getting into this game. The success of this channel has been described by even ACC athletic directors as fundamental and essential to the ACC continuing as one of the great conferences competitively. You know, they're winning more NCAA basketball titles than everybody else. And it's not even close. They've won three of the last six college football titles. So that's pretty darn good. Competitiveness has not been an issue really in any of the major sports for the ACC, but that financial gap has gotten to alarming proportions and the ACC network is designed in part to cut into that financial gap as compared to the SEC and the Big Ten. And of course, to give a lot of exposure, not only for football and men's basketball, but for other sports that do not get as much exposure historically. As the Little League World Series continues, 7 o'clock tonight, the American version on ESPN. Quick shout-out or two as we send you into the afternoon and look forward to meeting again tomorrow. The American Legion World Series was here in North Carolina, and a young man named Trevor Marsh was just named. He's from Asheboro, North Carolina. Never met Trevor, but as it turns out, a lot of his family and friends are listeners to The David Glenn Show. Trevor is a freshman for the outstanding UNC Wilmington baseball program, and Trevor was named the American Legion National Player of the Year. So good luck to him as he embarks on that time with the Seahawks. The American Legion World Series has concluded in Shelby, North Carolina. The Little League World Series continues tonight, and of course you'll see it on ABC once it gets to its finals this weekend. Another shout-out, the Winston-Salem Open is an outstanding ATP tennis event that's held at a wonderful facility at Wake Forest University. They are down to their quarterfinals as we speak. Two of the top Americans, Steve Johnson and Francis Tiafo, are among those still standing. And one more shout-out. Darren, how many times have I taken you to Sullivan Steakhouse, do you think, in our four years together? Uh, many. A dozen? Hopefully we're well into double digits. Last night, the lovely and talented Maria took her business partner, Laura, to the Raleigh location of Sullivan Steakhouse. She's still raving about it. I'm not kidding. She's into that Victoria TV show on the former Queen of England. She felt like she was treated like British royalty 
by Rob Crawford and his staff last night. The food, the wine, the service, the atmosphere. So special thanks to Rob, to Ashton, who was Laura and Maria's server, and the rest of the staff at Sullivan Steakhouse. They've been a big partner of the DG Show for a long time. We thank them for that, and we'll see you tomorrow. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.